Hello, everyone. Welcome into Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean. Just wanted to introduce to you today our show, kind of what happened. We got a pretty cool opportunity to go over to the Arizona Republic AZ Central Studios, record a show, a video show live for them. It will be on their feeds, on their page soon, but we are publishing it as a podcast for you all as well first. And so that will be kind of what you hear. It'll be Greg Moore, the columnist over there, introing our show. We're kind of going back and forth with him about the column that he wrote about Zion Williamson, about the number one overall pick here in the Valley, what he would do with it, why he has some questions about Zion Williamson. And we kind of pushed him on that, talked to him a little bit about it, kind of what we think the Suns will do, regardless of what anyone of us thinks. And it was a pretty fun show. It was cool. I think you guys will enjoy it a lot. Uh, but I wanted to tell you how things are going to go. So don't be surprised when Greg does the intro and uh, enjoy. We hope that you like it and hopefully we can do something like this in the future. It was was a cool opportunity for us and uh, a fun show for you all to listen to. Before we get into that, make sure you're following our page at LockedOnPHXSuns. As always, rate and review our show, five stars if you love it and don't. Don't review it if you don't love it. But thank you all, and enjoy Greg Moore. Greg Moore here, sports columnist, AZ Central Sports, along with two of my guys that I see all of the time at Suns games. We've got Evan Sidery and Brendan Clean. They're from SB Nation. They write for Bright Side of the Sun, and they do the Locked on Suns podcast. We're here to have a conversation about the Suns offseason. Listen, the best part about being a Suns fan, right, because things are tough right now. We all know that. But it's trying to figure out how you might fix this franchise, how you might do things differently moving forward to get the team on the right track, which is to say winning, which is to say to come back to the playoffs. So from here, I'm going to let these guys drive the conversation, and I'll do my best to answer their questions. All right, let's just dive right into it, Greg. And um, you had a call and come on Arizona Republic this week about Ja Morant. You yeah. said you would take Ja Morant over Zion Williamson, and, and obviously there was some flag. I, we're in the Zion Williamson camp ourselves. We think that he is a better fit and a better prospect for the Phoenix Suns. But why don't you take the floor and explain why you want Ja Morant over Zion Williamson for the Suns? So the first thing is fit. I think that the Suns need a point guard more than they need anything else. A real concern for me with Zion is that the hype has been built up so high that I don't know how he possibly could live up to it. They just announced recently that there's gonna be a new 30 for 30 that details the story of Felipe Lopez, who was LeBron James before LeBron James was LeBron James. And every generation's got all these guys who are the best who never made it, or these myths or these guys who were amazing in some way, but it never really panned out for them at the highest level. I worry that the hype for Zion is so outsized that it's setting him up for that failure through no fault of his own. The other thing that I worry about with Zion is that his game is predicated purely on physicality and athleticism, and his whole life he's been the most physical, the most athletic guy on any court that he's ever stepped on. The Suns have a bunch of guys like that on their roster right now. DeAndre Ayton. The first time in his life he wasn't the biggest, baddest dude on the court was game one when he went up against DeAndre Jordan. And then it happened 80 more times or however many games he played. It's an adjustment. Josh Jackson is an athletic marvel. When was the last time you saw somebody that fast, could jump that high, quick twitch, reflexes, and he's a normal dude for the most part in the NBA. And so I worry about that transition for Zion as well. 
I don't see that skill to his game, that deft jump shot, that ability to just get a guy on your hip and make a nice, easy shot. And so I just really worry about his transition. And I know that the Suns, they need somebody who's ready to play right now. The Suns don't really need a guy, another guy, who's going to figure it out as he plays. So do you, how much do injuries, the potential for an injury, he suffered one this year, a couple weeks, how much does that... Is that what you're getting at as far as his game is predicated upon he's got to outleap everybody, he's got to get past everybody? Are you worried about an injury? That is a factor, although I try to put injuries to the side because I just that's just not cute, right? Like we're talking yeah, about somebody's sure. livelihood, but it is a factor when you're evaluating a guy, right? Like if a guy has an injury history, look, Zion's shoe blew up, right? Like it wasn't his fault. But what we're talking <laughs> about here is if you have somebody who is physically dominant, like me, I'm amazing at basketball when I play my eight-year-old sons, right? Like, they can't do anything with me. But if all of a sudden I play a bunch, right, exactly. Shoving them on the ground. <laughs> There's nothing they can do. But when I play against other grown men, all of a sudden I look like one of the guys. I'm a normal person, all right? So I worry that Zion is outsized physically in the, in the place that he's in. And then when he gets to this new level, he's just going to be normal. And he's not going to have, like, these skills to fall back on, like a really nice handle or a really clean jumper. Now, when you talk about injuries, let's talk about a guy like Blake Griffin, right? So LeBron James, when he came out, I think he averaged 20.5 points per game as a rookie. You guys will check me on this. And since then, if you look at every rookie of the year, the only rookie of the year to score more than that or average more than that per game was Blake Griffin. Blake and Zion actually have similar games coming out of college. They jump over everybody and throw it down, and they don't care who's there. Blake has dealt with injury problems because of that constant pounding, that constant impact, that constant up and down. Blake, though, actually really did develop a nice game, right? Like, now he's got a really skillful game that he didn't have when he was coming out of Oklahoma. And again, for me, it's the Suns don't need to watch anybody figure it out. And the Suns also really don't need, like, a lot of hype where everybody's going, well, look, see, they couldn't develop him. Or, look, see, they, they couldn't get him ready. And this is the best talent around, and they blew it with him. Similar to what happened with Aiton, to a, to a degree. To there a was degree. that hype about, oh, they didn't maximize what he was at Arizona. And, see, so when people tell me that DeAndre Aiton wasn't the guy, I'm like, what sport are you watching? <laughs> the guy's giving you a double-double every night. Yeah, yeah. He has developed defensively, incrementally, over the course of the year, and he's playing a completely different ball game than he played at Arizona. Remember, Arizona... Yo, he kind of functioned as a power forward, right? Because he was in there with another seven-footer who played the post, who did different things defensively. So Aiton is learning the game, and he's playing quite well. No, he couldn't do anything with Joel Embiid, but Joel Embiid's an MVP candidate. Nobody could do anything with Embiid. Is everything perfect? No, right? Can Aiton improve? Yes. But of course he can. I talked to scouts. Scouts tell me that in the old days, when guys used to stay in in college for at least three years... When you would draft a big man, they would say you would need at least two or three years to figure out if that big man had the goods. Mm-hmm. That means DeAndre's on a five-year timetable, and he looks like he's actually getting it done already. It looks yeah. like this guy is a ball player, right? So, again, this is not a knock on Zion. Also, I wouldn't mind being wrong here, right? Like, I wouldn't mind Zion proving me specifically wrong, and one day, 10, 15 years from now, when he's getting ready to go to the Hall of Fame, somebody bakes me a cake with that column and I've got to eat my words, (laughs) I'm totally okay with that. I'm just saying that for the Suns right now, John Morant 
plays kind of like he's going to play in the NBA. He's going to be on the perimeter. Yeah. He's going to be setting you up left and right. He's going to be shooting jump shots from a, a long distance. And there's one more piece of it. Ja didn't have the goods coming out of high school. He had to learn it, right? Ja had to get tough and find something within himself to elevate himself from Murray State. Zion, man, everybody's like catered to him his whole life, and that's the same way with a lot of the guys who are currently on the Suns roster. They, for the first time, are dealing with that adversity. Ja has dealt with it, knows how to deal with it, knows how to turn that into something positive, just in, in terms of fit, right, and in terms of potential. If you're giving me my pick, I, I think I'm going to pick Ja. I might be unpopular there, but I'm okay with that. I would personally go with Zion. Like, we've said on Locked on Suns plenty with Brennan and I. I think that Zion is a near-perfect prospect. I think he's better than what Luka Doncic and DeAndre Ayton were last year. I think he's, if you put him in the 2018 draft class, he's the number one pick. I just think when you see guys like Blake Griffin, Larry Johnson, for example, back in the day, obviously they had injuries that slowed him down a little bit, but all NBA Hall of Fame type players. So I think you really can't pass on a transcendent talent like Zion Williamson. But the more you think about it, Greg, I mean, from the John Moran standpoint, what stood out to you when you watch him play? Because for me, I mean, the, the dazzling athleticism, the, the eye-popping playmaking ability from him. He reminds me a little bit of De'Aaron Fox, John Wall sort of. What do you think? He reminds me exactly of De'Aaron Fox. Really quickly on the Larry Johnson comparison, yeah. Bobby Hurley made that comparison. I was like, yeah. yeah. Larry Johnson got better after he got hurt. Larry Johnson messed his back up. It developed a jump shot. Mm-hmm. When his athleticism waned, he actually had a really nice second half of his career with the Knicks. Blake changed to a different type of yeah. guy recently as well. I mean, it, it happens. It does happen. All right. So what do I like about Ja? It's Murray State. And he's got these guys out there acting like, you know, like they go to Kentucky. Like he's got yeah. these guys acting like they go to Indiana or some blue blood school, right? Yeah. He's got mm-hmm. these guys playing ball above their heads. He's throwing them passes that they're not going to catch to the point that they actually start catching them, to the point that they actually start finishing them. He also seems um, equally willing to distribute and to take over, and that's a really hard balance to strike. Like, we've seen games where he passed it here, he passed it there, and then he said, forget this, and he made three shots in a row. That second tournament game, I forget who they were playing, they lost that game. Ja kept a minute in the first half. I think he was like four of five from three in the first half. You guys checked me on the stats. It was that three-point shooting that kept Murray State in the game, and there was not a player on that team who was hanging his head. There was not a player on that team who didn't feel like the baddest dude on the court was with them. And I just love that attitude that, that, that he's able to carry that. And again, um, I heard another analyst saying this. He's able to pass the ball with both hands. I noticed that. I noticed that he's kind of fearless when he finishes, but he does seem in control. Like, you guys have seen guys go to the rim, and they're a bit out of control, and they're not able to finish the play. Josh? Josh Jackson. <laughs> yeah, we all thought of and what, But I actually love that about Josh, because I think Josh's stubbornness and his inability to recognize what we all see, he's like, nah, I'm going to do this my way, and it's going to work. I think that's going to be kind of what makes him uh, a special player. I think Josh still has a lot of potential to be a really special player. Ja gets to the hoop, but he really seems to be under a lot of control. And again, he does seem to play a style right this second that he's going to be able to play uh, in the NBA. Hey guys, we'll get back to Greg in a second. Want to tell you really quickly about today's sponsor, and that, as always, is Homie. Homie is changing the game in the real estate market here in Phoenix, and they want you to come along for that ride with them. 
as you know, Homey can sell your home for just $1,500. That's a flat rate of just $1,500 to list your house on the open market and sell it. They can also help you qualify for a $5,000 buyer refund if you go through them. And if you need a little bit of help on the front end, they can get you the tools and resources you need to get a loan. And I think that is the second part of this that's really important. You don't always know what you're doing, right? No, not everybody's an expert on selling a house. Not everybody is an expert on how exactly the world of real estate works. So they have a team. It's real estate agents, it's attorneys, it's service people. Everything that you need to feel supported, feel like you have control, have some sort of know-how with you when you're navigating the process. This is not just do it for as cheap as you can and kind of be out on your own. This is an, a whole group of people whose priority it is to save you money and get that house out of your hands and get you into your dream home. To learn more about my friends at Homey, I want you guys to text the word SUNS. That's S-U-N-S. Of course, that's the name of our show, the name of the team we talk about every day. Text the word SUNS to 88588. Again, that's SUNS to 88588. Today's show is also sponsored, as always, by the Locked On NBA Network. If you have not already followed us on Twitter, make sure that you do so. Locked On NBA Net, at Locked On NBA Net. These playoff games are flying by. We have people all across the country covering these teams, covering the league for you every day. And if you want their input on social media, find where to listen to their shows, find where they do their work, follow at Locked On NBA Net. We are all plugged in there. Everything we tweet that has to do with the NBA comes straight to that feed, and it helps you stay plugged in. Okay, counter a little bit to that idea, and yeah. I think it, it has to do with what was around Zion at Duke. The roster, was, I mean, one of the more talented rosters we've ever RJ seen Barrett, put together. Cam Reddish, absolutely. Cam Reddish, even Trey Jones, who's For sticking sure. around, was good. And I think that he'll be maybe less high-end talent in the NBA. I mean, all these guys in the NBA are comparable to what he had at Duke, but they're vets and whatever. But... I think the game that's played in the NBA will just suit him yeah. so much better. Duke was one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the in the country, mm. despite having all that talent. And so I, I wonder if, not statistically maybe, putting up the numbers he did at Duke again in the NBA, we might never see him do that. But what he did from a skill perspective, kind of what you were saying you wanted to see more of, I think he'll have a chance to do that even, I mean, Say what you want about the Suns roster, but just thinking about what he'll have at the NBA, yeah. better floor spacing, quicker pace, you know, having to do less, he'll be able to fill a role a little bit more easily. I think all those things are, are where he fits more easily. Then you flip it, I think Morant is probably going to have to play much more defense. That jump shot, we see a lot of guys, Darren Fox last year, Gotta find struggled <laughs> because he never had it. Right. So I think thinking about translating to the NBA is where I get more excited about Zion and less excited about Morant, but so it's a fair point to make. The thing that scares me, the, the point, what I'm hearing you say, is that in the NBA the three-point shooters are going to be so much better that it's going to spread the floor out. That an athletic guy who's going to attack the rim is going to have more lanes to do so. Yeah. I worry whether Zion can dribble well enough to make that happen. Right? I wonder if Zion in that way is not like a thick version of Josh. It's a great point that you're making, though. As far as playing defense goes, nobody does that. <laughs> no. De'Aaron Fox sure. plays great defense. 
I worry. Especially in college. You, it's hard to do. It's hard to grade these guys. Ben Simmons at LSU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really worry about Zion's transition. Like, what position does he play? So if he's going to play power forward, he's really short for a power forward. And we've seen that happen before. Charles Barkley, right? We've seen that. Is he, is he athletic enough to keep up with the stretch force? I don't know. Is he strong enough to bully the Julius Randles of the world, the Kenneth Fareeds of the world? I don't know. He really feels like a tweener to me, and it feels like he's going to have to figure out what his role is in the NBA. And again, I think in the right situation, he's going to flourish. I worry that the Suns aren't the right situation for somebody who has an undetermined role who kind of has to figure it out. Yeah. I keep coming back to Josh for whatever reason. Under Jay Triano, remember he had like two seasons, right? It was the first half and he was kind of bad, and then Jay sat him down, and then the yep. second half and he was really good. And this year it was kind of similar and that he finished a lot stronger yeah. than he started. Had another benching in January this year. Exactly. With Josh, it's all about like system and fit and what are you asking him to do. And if Josh knows his role, then I think he can perform it. But if he's out there kind of freelancing, you're seeing him learn as he plays. And I feel like Zion might be in a similar situation only with less ball handling. So it might be like all there are times when he's lost on the court. All of this to say, guys, I hope to God I'm wrong. I hope to God that he has a great career. Ayo Zion, man, I'm hopeful that you have a long, great career, end up in the Hall of Fame, and again, I'm hopeful that I'm eating my words and that some other team, you flourish. I'm just concerned about fit here with where the Suns are in the team's evolution yeah. and where he is in his evolution as a ball player. I just don't know that that's a good marriage. You bring good points there, Greg, and uh, let me ask you just, the, the lottery is in less than a month now. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, if they do land the number one pick, are we going to see a column from you saying John Morant should be the number one pick, or what do you, what do, you do with that? Hey, if you're pinning me to it, I think Ja's the number one pick. Um, but it, trades, right, like it all depends on who you Absolutely. can get, yeah. right? Like I don't yeah. know who's yeah. out there, who can you get. So for me, I've been thinking about this a lot, man. I'm, I'm beginning to think Kevin Durant's like the perfect ball player. I'm beginning to think Kevin Durant on any team he goes to. He's unfair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't care who you add him to, right? Yeah. The Suns actually could get him. They'd have to dump everybody to create enough cap space to do it, right? Yeah. It'd be like Devin and, and DeAndre and Kevin Durant. And a bunch and then, of young guys. And then us, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, they'd be, they'd be finding anybody to fill it in. And if I'm James Jones, I'd do it in a heartbeat, right? Yeah, like of course. Kelly Oubre, I love you. Tyler Johnson, I love you. Rashawn Holmes, I love you. It, it, Bye. Bye, everybody, right? And then bring this dude Durant in, and then we'll figure it out. So for me, the, the trade is always the big what-if factor. What can you get? What could you get? Um, makes you wonder whether you could just trade it back one spot, right? Like whoever's yeah. the number two. If the Knicks are number two. You can get a lot for Zion Williamson. You just trade it back one spot. You still get your guy, and yeah. then maybe you get a little stuff. The problem is that the Suns have really bad cap space right now, right? Like they Not a ton. Right? I want to say they've got room for like one mid-level dude, maybe. Yeah, if they keep their draft pick, they're going to have $7 to $8 million, which is nothing. I was talking to a cap analyst from Yahoo Sports, man. 
rookie contracts are kind of expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like Drug and Bender, I think that's yeah. why we're going to maybe not see him in Phoenix next year because he just got expensive for what he was doing. You, 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 as crazy as that sounds. You get this sense in your mind that the rookie deals are super cheap because they are in the NFL, but in, in, in the NBA, <laughs> rookie deals yeah. are, are kind of high. Yeah. So if you've got seven or eight guys who are roughly making between $7 million and $10 million bucks. Can you imagine? Can you imagine paying a luxury tax on a 19-win team? Anyway, so <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's why, like, when you start to think about what the trade possibility could be, I don't, I don't know 100% what the answer yeah. is right there. But man, what if you could just trade it back one spot, then maybe load up with some other picks later, maybe dump some contracts. You know, the Suns don't have like a lot of bad contracts though. Um, even Tyler making 19. He's a valuable asset. He's an expiring, right? yeah. He's an expiring. You could trade him to somebody to get somebody. He also can play. And then that last day, right, that media day, yeah. when he signaled this willingness to come off the bench, said he did it in high school. He's eager to do it as a pro because he yeah. looks up to Jamal Crawford so much. If you just think about that, like, that's the ultimate team player. And you know on the other half of that deal, he's not going to command $19 million a year again, no, right? So no, no. what are we talking about? Maybe half that maybe, like, around there? Maybe half, yeah. So, right, so he's a valuable piece. Again, for me, if I've got the number one pick, I'm always open to exploring my options. I want to do the best thing long-term, sustainable for the future of the franchise, obviously. That kid Morant sure does look nice, and yeah. I wonder if I can get cute. I wonder if I can just get a little bit more. Yeah. So you, you ended your column with, basically, and, and by the way, the Suns need a point guard, <laughs> which is been the, what else have we been talking about? Two straight right. two years yeah. with this team, right? right. So how much of you're feeling on this, and I guess we can try to maybe put our hats on to put ourselves in the building down the road and, and imagine sure. what they're thinking. How much of this decision should or will play a part, or will that play a part in it of, we just need a guy at that spot. Maybe, the, maybe there's a downtick a little bit in how we value these two, but we need this more than the other thing. It's, it's a great point. Um, I think in the draft, I start with best available. But we've seen what happens with log jams here in this town before. Not just uh, IT, uh, Bledsoe, and, and Goran. Like, we, we've also seen, was it Kevin Johnson, Penny Hardaway, yeah. Jason Kidd. We got Kidd. a thing for point guards. <laughs> we got here. a thing for log jams at point guard. Um, if I'm just viewing them as, as prospects, I see Ja every bit as the prospect as I do with Zion. Okay. Um, again, for me, I always like guys who have to prove something and then grow into it because I know that they've got that as part of their makeup. I always worry about guys who've had it kind of easy. I know if there's no easy pathway to the NBA, there is not. But again, if you are the biggest, baddest, strongest, fastest, most athletic, most physical, most gifted guy your whole life, when you finally meet your match, I have to figure out how you respond to it. You guys know I'm a big boxing guy, right? I'm a big boxing guy. You never know what a guy has in his heart until yeah. it's tested, right? Yeah. So until a guy's really, really been in trouble, mm -hmm. like really been hit, hurt late in a fight, you don't know how he's going to respond to that. Some guys get hit and fold up and you never hear about them again. Some guys get hit and it spurs them to new heights. We know what Ja's response is because he's been through it. He was not highly recruited. He went to a school nobody's heard of and couldn't find on a map. 
there are 50 states. Murray is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get a school, but <laughs> not their own state. There you go. And so we, we know what he can do. So if you're asking me right this second, what do I do if I get the number one pick? I go John Morant. But again, my, uh, my thinking, right, especially now that I got a guy like Jeff Bowers got my back, right, how can we get cute, Jeff? You've been through this a couple of times. You've seen some things. What can we do? Also, Jeff's the guy who drafted Chris Paul, which I don't know how in the world he slid that far, right? Yeah. Can you imagine That's what would have happened if the Atlanta Hawks had taken Chris Paul instead of Marvin Williams that year? Man, the Hawks, we'd be talking about them in a whole other way. Yeah. So it just seems logical to me is all. It just seems logical. Well, and I think Jones, everything we've heard from him since he joined the franchise indicates that he values what you're talking about, a guy who kind of is like him to a certain degree in the way that Suns fans remember James Jones as the quiet guy that made some threes, not the guy we would have thought would win all these championships late in his career. And I think we don't know. I mean, he hasn't really made a big, huge imprint on this franchise yet because he hasn't had to make one of these big decisions, but I think this will be one where we see where his leanings are, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's... I mean, we've been talking about that as a possibility that in most circumstances... Maybe you just pick the best guy, but with this person in charge and with the circumstances we talked about positionally, it might make some sense for them to go that route. Like I was saying, maybe they don't value the guys the same, but, but John might have the leg up in the areas that matter the most to this franchise. One more break to tell you about another sponsor of today's show, and that is the Wise Indoor Camera. We've been telling you about them for a while, and what they do is really give you that peace of mind at home that you really need, right? You need to feel safe if you're leaving your house, if you're leaving kids in your house, if you're leaving somebody you love there, if you're trying to get something done. It's just nice to have something that makes you feel a little bit safer, a little bit more secure. And using technology to do that is probably the best way at this point, right? 1080p full HD in the Wise Indoor camera, night vision, two-way audio, a live stream with an eight times digital zoom. And with that live stream, you're gonna get a free rolling 14-day cloud storage. And that's not for a subscription fee, that is all of what comes with the Wise Indoor Camera for just $20 per camera. Think about all the ways you can use this, right? I mentioned a few before, but you're leaving your kids inside while you go check the mail or go to water the plants or you have to run some errands but you wanna have some food in the stove, you wanna have some food uh, cooking on, in the oven, whatever it is, there's a lot of instances where you just got to get out of the house, but you don't feel safe doing it. The Wise Indoor Camera is going to change that for you for just $20 per camera through the Locked On Network. So what you're going to do to take advantage of our deal is go to wise.com. That's W-Y-Z-E.com slash LockedOnNBA, the name of our network, the name of the show that we do nationally, wise.com, W-Y-Z-E.com slash LockedOnNBA to get our guaranteed lowest price on the Wise Indoor Camera. Today's show is also brought to you by the Locked On NBA Show. As always, these guys are coming at you Monday through Friday. First thing in the morning, check your feeds to catch up on all the latest news. Right now, that's mostly playoffs, but as we get through the summer, it'll be coaching changes, front office changes, the draft, the draft lottery, everything going on in the NBA every single day right to your feed. And you can listen to the show on the Himalaya podcast app. If you have not already checked that out, it's a great way to support the show. And it's a great way to make your experience listening to it, the Lockdown NBA show, the Lockdown Sun show, any of the ones in our network, 
a lot better. It's an interface, a software that's super easy to use, super intuitive. It suggests shows. It helps you find shows that you might not have known about. If you're already listening on one platform, but you've been thinking about making a change, check out Locked On NBA as well as our show, Locked On Suns, on the Himalaya podcast app. All right, back to our show with Greg Moore of AZ Central Sports. Let me ask you this, Brandon, because we saw last year the Dallas Mavericks and Atlanta Hawks do a trade with Trey Young and yeah. Luka Doncic, and the Hawks moved back and still got Trey. What do you think the value would be for moving back maybe one or two spots to get John Moran if you had the number one pick? Because I think even more than Luka last year, I think you get more than that. I think, yeah, if you get the act- if you get number one, it- I think it's going to be more valuable. I think Luka Doncic played a role that was different than this because he had even more questions. He played overseas. People underestimated him. And he blew away those those expectations, but I think the expectations now are higher even for Zion and, and a trade for that, especially when you think about all the dominoes that the lottery will have. Phoenix almost matters the least in the grand scheme of the summer when if they were to win the lottery because the Knicks, all these other teams are trading for Anthony Davis with that pick mm. or flipping, picking Zion and getting creative with how they're going to deal him. So... I think you could get a good player if they want to go that route. I think you could get multiple picks. It, it kind of feels like the NFL draft in that way where we don't see it in the NBA very often, but the value is, is enormous if you get creative enough to do it. We saw the same thing with Markel Fultz and, uh, and the Celtics, and Philly got a – or Boston got a tremendous pick with that. So it, if, you, if you have the, the, the doggedness to do it, it, it pays off. It's going to take – little bit of guts, right? Like, you got to be, it's a little risk there, but if you're sitting there in a position of... It's a lot of fan backlash, too. Is there? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Are the fans around here going to get any madder than they already have been? If you get a good player with it, I think there will be fans who like that more, but it's one of those in 10 years, everybody just holds their neck down because they're, oh, we got to get, we could have had that guy. For sure. So the Suns are kind of used to that, though, right? Suns fans? Because the Suns fans could have had Kevin Garnett, and that yeah. didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And Suns probably could have had Akeem Olajuwon, and that never happened. Like, yeah. the, the Suns could have had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? Like, the, the, the list of guys the Suns could have had. Yeah, you're <laughs> around for 50 years, there's a lot of those. <laughs> You've seen some, right? Okay, you mentioned that maybe that James hasn't really put his stamp on the organization. What if he has? What if by not firing Igor midway through, what if he keeps Igor? Yeah. What if by not making a bunch of dumb moves that don't even make any sense just to spin your wheels? What if just by being even and stable, he's already putting his imprint on the organization? What if he's the guy who was like, yo, we need this guy, Mikel Bridges? Yeah. Think about what Mikel Bridges does and what James Jones did. James was the ultimate role player, right? Like, he was like water. He would fill in the cracks, right? Whatever you needed, he would try to find a way to be that. Yeah. Mikel Bridges came out ready to play because he had a role that he performed in college that was the exact same thing he was going to do in the NBA versus trying to get another top dog or another guy who had all this potential. He got a guy who was ready to just plug in and play there. I wonder if there's not more room for that around here, just getting guys who are just ready to step into a role, be professional, take their 20 minutes, get their seven shots, be a good guy in the locker room. And all of a sudden, you guys remember that stretch, right? I I talk about this stretch all the time. They close the door on the Lakers. They beat Milwaukee. uh, They beat Golden State. 
there hasn't been as much fun in that arena in I don't know how long, right? You would have thought it was a playoff stretch. Imagine if that just can just stretch out, right? Like, because th that happened. We're not looking at something yeah. like could happen that did happen if you just had a little bit more veteran presence. And really that happened because you had two guys with four years in to play yeah. alongside Devin, who's got four years in. You just, you got a little bit older. So anyway, I think about that stuff. All right, let me give you guys my favorite James Jones story. I don't know how long we've been going. I feel like we should probably wrap it up at a certain point. I'm good. Uh, we could talk like forever. This yeah. is fun for me, right? My favorite James Jones story. It's like the day he gets hired, he gets announced. James has like an uncle who played uh, pro baseball. And we were just talking about family, right? Uh, James and I have some similarities in that. I've got four kids, and all of them, their name starts with G. And James has, I think, three kids, and all their names starts with J, right? Like, it's just a, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just a thing that guys our age do, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. James, I asked him, like, where does he sort of get his strength, and how did he learn how to be, you know, kind of who he was? And he talked about his mother, and he said when he was in school, his mother said to him, you can get all A's and play basketball, or you can get all A's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just love that as an expectation, right? I just love that as, you know, you're going you're gonna to take care of the right thing, and then everything else comes after that. Only a mom could come up with something like that. I know, right? It's so pithy, <laughs> yeah, right? I yeah. love it. But if you just take that and then just apply it, like, from a philosophical perspective to how you would run a basketball team, you're going to do the right thing, period. And then whatever comes after that comes after that. And so if that's the case, you need James Joneses on your roster. LeBron James called him the best teammate I ever had. You need guys who just know their role, are happy to do it. They have 10 or 15-year <laughs> careers where they just come in and they do that thing. They play some shutdown defense. They hit a couple big threes. They wave the towel real well or, 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 or whatever their role is. And if he can acquire guys like that, figure out a way to get James Randall around here, or Julius Randall around here, please. I would love to see Julius Randall around here. If you can find guys who can fill a role, I think that that's just a, a really good way to build a franchise and build it in a way that's sustainable. We'll see what happens, right? I'm, I sound optimistic. I always sound optimistic. It's who I am. I hope it works, right? It's more fun when that arena's rocking. It was rocking, that stretch you were talking about. <laughs> the Lakers really of all teams, too. It was That was the most loudest End of their I've playoffs. ever seen it. Yeah. End of their playoff chase. Yeah, ended but, it. Before we end things up, or let's wrap on this point, because you brought it up, and I found it interesting, still haven't done this publicly yet. Yeah. Are you surprised that they haven't publicly backed Yuri Kokoshkov yet, even though it's been a couple weeks after the regular season? I hate that, right? Yeah. Like, I... I really like Igor. I just don't know that he's the best communicator for the group that he had. You guys know Igor speaks softly. Very yeah. soft-spoken, yeah. Right? And what's he got? He's got a bunch of young guys who are from the AAU system who maybe are used to getting yelled at a little bit, right? Yeah. When you're kind of a rowdy group too. It's a rowdy group, right? <laughs> and and I think I think of myself 20 years ago. I was learning how to motivate myself. Then later in my career, I kind of knew how to motivate myself. And I think you have to fit your coach to your personnel. If they can bring back a veteran group, a more veteran group, I think Igor's perfect. I think one of you guys wrote something about the assistant coaches that Igor might bring in. Yeah, it was an interesting list. I love Corliss Williamson as a coach for big men, but I wonder if you can't also have like a bigger man to sort of help with that, right? Like somebody who's just like eight feet tall, just can, you know, just can help, right? Maybe DeAndre grows a little bit if he's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about Corliss as an assistant coach is that he survived and thrived down on the low block as an undersized guy. So if you get Zion as a really great mentor yeah. right there for him, 
in addition to Barkley. So there's that. Um, I love what uh, I always like to call him Lil Nate. Nate McMillan's son did a great job of being really vocal and taking control of the defense. I love Igor's after timeout plays because of what I've heard scouts say. You guys remember the Washington game. I was talking about this on ABC 15 with Craig Fooey. Washington game, waning seconds, down three. You need a three-pointer. Devin's got 50. Everybody in the building knows yep. it's going to one or two guys. It's going to Devin or Troy Daniels. Troy's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Yep. Igor draws up a play. There's nobody within five feet of Troy. Yep. Troy didn't knock it down, but that was not Igor's fault. Um, if you, I don't think that there's a need to stand up and say he's our guy. I don't. I don't know what that what purpose that serves. They used they used to call that the kiss of death, right? When you get the vote of confidence from your organization, you're immediately going to get fired. That's it's an old thing. I think if you are going to replace Igor, it's got to be obvious. I think yeah. you got to bring in a coach. Everybody goes, oh yeah. I think Igor's yeah. got to be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll okay. Here. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know who's on that list. I haven't given a lot, of, a lot of thought, but I do know that that's that's kind of the tier that you're gunning for if you're looking to replace Igor. I'm hopeful that he sticks around. My gut tells me it's not looking so good. His body language, the things that he said in that closing news conference. He didn't feel confident. He no, felt right? like. They haven't told me no yet. Right. You know. Right. But he knew it. 19 wins. Last or next to last in just about every category you can want to measure. It just didn't look good, and we all knew it. you got to be a pretty savvy basketball fan to understand the things that went well, and I don't know if every single person in the fan base can be expected to be that invested in the team, right? Like, we get it, but... Are we able to then communicate that to the casual fan who's like, man, why don't y'all just go get Phil Jackson and stop fooling with me, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful that Igor sticks around. I am. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a good feeling about it. And part of that is just because of all the turnover. But we talked about James Jones injecting stability. Maybe he's just like, oh, no, Igor's the guy, and I'm not saying anything because we're just going to keep it smooth around here. That's just what we do. We'll see. Makes sense. And I, another name we've brought up on the podcast a lot, Brett Brown out of Philadelphia. If, if he loses the first round series to Brooklyn, maybe he gets fired and maybe, maybe he replaces Igor. And that speaks to, and that's sort of how we've been thinking about things on, on our show and on our website is it has to be enough of an upgrade to where it's worth the lack of stability. It's mm -hmm. worth the fact that you changed one year in. It's worth the fact that the, these guys have a new voice in their ear. If that voice is just going to change things and then you go for it but if if they were to hire a different assistant from somewhere some a, a retread yeah i think you worry okay i'll give you i'll give you two names that jump into my mind then um mark jackson because of what he did to get gold state kind of to gel yeah. before steve kerr stepped in that's an emotional communicator that's a guy who's talking to guys about motivation and getting up for a game and sticking together and playing through adversity that's all mark jackson does and has respect around the league. Has he, His name carries some weight. It Absolutely. does. It does. Becky Hammond, assistant from the Spurs, she's also an emotional communicator. She'll yeah. get in your face. And when I interviewed Spurs players about her, they're like, oh, no, she's the goods. Like, she's ready <laughs> to go right now. She comes from a winning pedigree. Yeah. And I feel like, for me, if I had a team who was young and they kind of we're looking at their feet a little bit, but maybe not so much. Becky used to be a player. She knows what that looks like. She's got that championship pedigree from the Spurs. She knows what that looks like. 
Rudy Gay looked me dead in my eye was like, man, she's a real one. Don't mess with Becky. So I don't know. Those are two names that just, as we're having this conversation, that just jumped into my head, but I haven't given it any thought, right? And I would like to, like, look at a list oh, of, for sure. you know, college guys who are out sure. there. And, but, yeah, yeah, I hope it's Igor. Truly, I do. I hope, I hope it's Igor. This has been a really fun conversation, yeah. Greg. We, yeah, no, for me, for sure. We it's actually awesome. came down live to the Arizona Republic Studios <laughs> and did this, so appreciate everybody.